Man, you clean up well. Now, for those of you who can't see Mr. Barker on TV. You should. Yeah, you should. Actually, that's... You quickly rushed your TV set right now. Damn. Mm. That's that's a man's shirt, too. Go ahead. Too. Get it out. No, go, I'm go. just saying. I know. Go you, on. You're, you, look, you look swell. You got a nice kind of pink. Is it pink or salmon? It's not salmon, no. It's pink. You got a nice Watch pink friends. shirt. With... You'll know the difference. Hmm? Huh? I don't get that. But anyhow, nice shirt. On the big screen, too, which is kind yeah, of Yeah, they've got you. Thanks for putting Barker in the full. Let's just leave Barker in the full screen. Uh, no, no, go back the other way. Barker every in once in a while, I got to show my wife why she married me. That's just, true. Just so happens it's today. That's always, that's, always a good, that's always a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I can tell. You can tell that your wife dropped the hammer today, man. Actually, that's not true. She said, we're, we're going to a wedding. And I'm like, yeah, what do you want me to wear? And she said, bring it. <laughs> so I said, hmm. there you are. Well, you are bringing it. So I got my three-piece out, and that's where I'll be going right after the show. Hey, the Jays are bringing it, too. They're in Cincinnati to take on the Reds in the first of a three-game series with Kevin Biggio in the cleanup spot. <laughs> that's not funny. That was funny. Uh, the Jays lineup, Merrifield, Belt, Guerrero, Biggio, Chapman, Kirk, Varsho, Espinal, Kiermaier. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier was reactivated or whatever the hell you call it off the IL. I guess I can read it right here. He's been reinstated <laughs> from the IL. Trevor Richards has also been reinstated from the IL. Nathan Lucas has been optioned to AAA Buffalo. Jay Jackson has been optioned to AAA Buffalo. Bo Bichette is with the team in Cincinnati. He will be activated tomorrow, that according to both Bo and the manager. Um, he will be activated tomorrow. The Jays, uh, I guess, with travel and a knee injury, he's played a couple of days, just figured why not, why not let him have the uh, day off. So uh, there will be a move to be made tomorrow. No idea who it would be. We uh, will run our uh, interview with John Schneider later on, and he'll talk about kind of an interesting some interesting insights into how he's going to use Trevor Richards, uh, given the depth of the bullpen right now, and given the strength of the starting rotation. It's not as if the Jays are sort of scratching or, or need to worry about innings per start from their starters right now. Uh, and um, and he's also John. John was, I thought, particularly well. He was definitive, shall we say, about what'll happen to the lineup when Bo returns. Bo's going to be hitting second, and then I guess we'll just have to, the rest of it will depend on on things like matchups and that. But um, your thoughts about Kevin Biggio in the lineup today. Matt Chapman back uh, in the lineup as well. Still no Danny Jansen. Um, and yeah, uh, George Springer getting, which I presume is a scheduled day off. Yeah, that, didn't I just have a day off? I I think that's the reason why, why you threw me for a loop there when you said scheduled day off. Well, after, I presume after it is day, now. I haven't off. I haven't heard from the, the the skipper. Certainly didn't indicate that there's anything any issue with George Springer. I mean, I thought he kind of you know, the the single that or the the fielder's choice he legged out. It looked like he pulled up a bit it when did. he got the first base, but then he stole second. So. I, but we both noticed at the time he winced a bit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's... There's no way they'd give an everyday guy off a day off 
scheduled well, after a day off? Well, you don't know. Yeah, man. I don't think. I don't yeah, think. I don't think that would ever happen. So, Cacification think, of the organization. You yeah, know? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's this just gets back to what we were talking about and what I was talking about in spring training. Who's hitting cleanup? They still don't know. Like it, it's a revolving door. It's Kevin Biggio has given himself a chance to hit a fastball. That's why they're putting him in the lineup. First of all, he's earned it. As the, absolutely. The last week earned and it. a half to two As weeks. As I've been telling you for two weeks, yeah. Kevin Biggio is an important part of this team. There As you I've go. Been you saying for at least two weeks. You can't do without him. And we mm-hmm. did ask John about that. And, you know, you did ask about how comfortable he is putting him in the lineup. And he was very stern about that he's earned the right yep. with all the adjustments and getting with hitting coaches to do, to do all that. So, yeah, I don't even I, – if, if I were fans of the Jays, I wouldn't even look at the lineup anymore. And, and the, when Bo gets back, the lineup, will be what the, the lineup will be what the lineup is and, yeah. and watch every at-bat. Like, I wouldn't worry about where people are hitting. It sounds like Bo is married to the two-hole. Like, it's, that's coming, sounds to me like anyway, and I haven't talked to anybody about this because it makes no sense. None. If you're on the outside looking in, it makes zero sense that Brandon Belt, if he plays, would be hitting behind Bo Bichette instead of the other way around. Brandon Belt's hitting well under 200 with runners in scoring position. Bo is hitting well over 300 with runners in scoring position. Make any sense? So that's why I say it. it sounds like a uh, their best player is saying, I like hitting in the two-hole. You figure it out, everybody else. Yeah, well, you know, we remember what happened when John Schneider moved Bo into the seventh hole last year. That's different, mind you. But look, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think he needs to be in the middle of the order. And yes, I understand that if he hit a dude second, he's going to get more plate appearances. I, 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 I get all that. Yeah, but but really I, I'm, I'm with team. Kevin on a, on a team that isn't... The big inning. That's exactly. What playing for. On a team that isn't scoring a lot of runs, you want to play for the big inning. Yeah, Anyhow. Bo's comfortable there. Let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Tonight is an Apple game. Apple Plus, whatever it is. Apple game. So uh, it will not be on uh, Sportsnet. It will be on the Fan 590. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will take you right up to 630. Uh, the game starts at 640. In Cincinnati, it will be Brett Kennedy on the mound for the Reds against Jose Berrios for the Blue Jays. Nick Kroll, the Reds' general manager, will join us in a few minutes. He's got to be be awfully happy. First team in Major League history with three rookies in a single season with 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases each. Like, this is... This team has become... I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say they're must-watch... But when I'm at home and i am got the MLB package and I'm just kind of figuring out what game I want to watch, first thing I do is find out where the Reds are. And I bet I've watched a piece of, I don't know, 45% of their games a piece. I yeah. think that they're a hoot to watch. Yeah, well, they I, are fun. I wonder how you evaluate young hitters in that ballpark. Well, we'll talk to you, Nick you, Crawl about you that. You flip it on the other side and they've given up more home runs. The only team in baseball – that has given up more than 100 home yeah. runs at home. How do you develop that side of it? Because they got three or four young pitchers that they're going to rely on for the next couple of years to get them where they want to go. How do you keep them from getting gun shy? I can remember playing there. It ain't it ain't hard. I mean, you're one-handing things out of that park. I remember you tried to hit the Toyota that was parked in right center, and the issue wasn't trying to get it there. It was trying not to hit it over it. 
That, that, that's, way, that, that's the way the ball flew there. I'm not kidding you. I don't even think they have that anymore because maybe we hit it too many times. But, yeah, I'd, that's the side of it, right, is, is just not sure how you – you know, we had Bronson on here yesterday, and it, it's about attacking the zone and yeah. not being afraid to take a little off. Like, you're getting hammered, and the ball's leaving the yard when it shouldn't be leaving the yard. How do you do that? Well, so, see, yeah, that's – I mean, it get, you're gaining a lot of confidence as a hitter. You're losing confidence as a pitcher. Yeah. So, it's – And one of, one of the issues the Reds are going to have, you know, the Chicago Cubs kind of perfected the whole deal of developing a lineup from within and then going out in free agency and adding pitchers. And it makes a certain amount of sense. Add veteran guys who've already had their TJ. They've already had their ups and downs. Uh, and and the Reds are kind of in that position. They've got, I mean, look in this lineup. TJ Friedel, Matt McLean, Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, Joey Votto, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Tyler Stevenson, Will Benson, Stuart Fairchild. I mean, they've got a bunch of homegrown dudes in there. That lineup could be together for a long time. The question is, the question is, can you add pitching in that ballpark? Uh, and, you know, unless, We've talked about what a great baseball city it is. It's a wonderful baseball city. I don't know if it would necessarily be a free agent destination. Uh, and, and it seems to me that maybe what the Reds have to do now is they've got to they, they've got to focus on bringing in some well, more of their their young pitchers. Ellie and, De La and, you know, Cruz they, has to be a superstar. Let's start that. And, and and they've done it. Yeah, Ellie De La Cruz has to be a superstar. There it you is. know, you look at a dude like Hunter Green. Like they've got. Um, they're they're developing some they're developing some pitching. I I think listen, and the other thing, if you're a Reds fan, you're looking at that division and you're going, holy cow. Like there's it's there for the take. It is. Yeah. It, I mean, you do not need to rebuild. This this is an interesting stat uh from um uh Rob Butcher of the Reds PR department. I just gonna I just where do I want to find it here? Uh about about the Reds and how quickly, how quickly they managed to get back into the, you know, how, how quickly they managed to make up ground in uh, the Central. And uh, boy, I can't find it now. I was looking at it, but the the fact of the matter is, they made up ground in the Central at a historical pace. And one of the reasons for that is because the Central is not very is not very good. Yeah, the Brewers it's not a not, very good division. The Brewers are not running away with it. Uh, that's that's basically what it comes down to. They they sort of were supposed to, and now they're not, and it sort of opens the window for the Cubbies and the and the and you can throw St. Louis in there too, who's had an atrocious season, who just can't get out of their own way. Seems like by off the field. So yeah, I think because of those two reasons, it's opened the door to some young teams. I just wonder going to that park, and I again, I played there. Like it's that is Coors Field two point all right, here we go. This is what I was going to say. The Reds are the first team in Major League history to move into first place alone in nine games or fewer after falling five or more games under 500 while facing a deficit of at least five games. Yeah, you're in never words, out of it. That's what you're saying. Well, exactly. And if you're if you're a Reds fan and you're looking at this lineup, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got to feel they're not quite the Baltimore Orioles. Because and the Orioles minor league system is still, we we talked about it yesterday with Jim Callis is still really deep, but man they are uh, they're going to be a concern in that division. Yeah, they got they got some young good pitching. They got some hard throwers. Uh, they got a closer in Diaz who's young. That's a big deal. They got some youth in the lineup. They got some. They got a, a supposedly their best player is a switch hitter, which is a big deal. Right, he is six five, but. 
You know, he can do some things. They can steal bases so they can manufacture runs. They lead baseball in stolen bases. I mean, they're going to run all over the place. We did G- ask John that today. How do you control that? Because yeah. Barrios and Bassett are not good at doing that. No. Like it's going to, and right, and you're playing in a park that can you create a little backspin, and it looks like it's humid there too. Yeah, we're just and, watching and it, it on and uh, if the, live feed. If the wind's blowing out a little, okay. sinker's going to have to be good. The, the, the swar- sweeper or slider, whatever you want to call it, has to be on point. Can I ask you about LED LaCruz? I want to ask you something. He's a tall dude. Yeah. Now, there have been tall shortstops in baseball before. Yeah, he's playing a little third, too. And he's playing a little third. What do you think he's going to be ultimately? Because he's very young. It's, it's entirely possible that, he, that his body changes a little bit over the course of the year. Do you see him always being a shortstop, or do you think maybe you move him to another position? I guess maybe depends what else you have in the minor league system, right? Yeah, I would think third base because of his size. You don't have to move around as much. That's the thing, right? You got a lot, you got a lot of long parts. That's sort of trying to keep together, and you know, offensively, he's been struggling lately. It's mm-hmm. the last thirty games; he's hitting one ninety. Right? It's first thirty; he was hitting well over three hundred. That's you know the league might have caught up a little bit. The just the you know the monotony of being a big leaguer is not the easiest thing. So yeah, look, he's a good player, he's an athlete that you can build off that. Well, yeah, we we've said, listen, it's it's a terrific team to watch. He is a fun player. If you are the Blue Jays right now, you're absolutely absolutely thinking about what you're going to have to do to control the running game. Uh, the Reds lead the major leagues with 139 stolen bases. That's their highest team total since 2016. Think about this. In 2022, they had 58 steals in the entire season. So they're almost three times. Uh, they, they will likely finish the year with three times more stolen bases. Um, they could become... They could lead the National League in stolen bases for the first time since 2015. I, I mean, they seem to be a team that is tailor-made for this new era of baseball. And uh, the vice president and general manager of that team is Nick Crawl, and we're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. Nick, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us today. Uh, we trust you're doing well. I made this point before you came on about how um, you know, both of us, I mean, Kevin played for the Reds a bit. I covered baseball for a long time. I used to make road trips to Cincinnati when I was covering the Expos at Riverfront Stadium. It's To me, it's a baseball city. I Mm -hmm. put Cincinnati, St. Louis, to me, they're baseball cities. How cool is it for you to see what has happened, what has transpired this year with this young team? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, first off, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, It's been a lot of fun with this team. We've got a lot – there's a lot of energy in this city – uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not from here, but my wife is from here. And, and, you know, she's got a lot of family that lives here. And, you know, to see them, lifelong Reds fans, excited about this team, you know, to, to watch us have, you know, really good crowds come out uh, to support these guys. It's been a lot of fun to watch to watch this city and, and the city support this team. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz, I, I, Jeff just asked me about his size and what position he would end up playing. And I don't think I... I'm not sure there's an answer for that. And that's why I'm, I'm glad you're coming on so I can ask you, is there a certain position because of his size that would be more beneficial to him so you could see the best athlete offensively from him? I, I don't know if there is or is not. I mean, I know that he's, he's made some plays at shortstop just because he is so long that, you know, just it, it's, it's, a, 
it's really rare to see a guy be able to make plays like that where you can dive, lay out, and then you've got an arm that can throw 100 across the diamond that you can make the throw. It's not like you're not having to make the jump throw. He can stop, make the backhand play. He can come across the middle and, and, and lay out and, and get a play that uh, on the other side of the bag that, that you know only you know, two or three guys could make. You know, I, Nick, I, I often wonder when you when you have a team like this where so many young guys have come up and contributed and, you know, I mean, almost established themselves right away. How much of this how much of this was was planned and how much of this was simply a matter of your hand being forced? And if that is the case, that's got to say a great deal about your minor league people, doesn't it? Because if your hand was forced with a couple of these guys and they've been able to come up and hit the ground running. Um, that, that's remarkable. I, I think that, you know, it's a little of everything, right? We, we expected some of these guys to make their debuts in the second half, some maybe at the end of the year. I mean, Andrew Abbott started in double A uh, and then ends up uh, becoming, you know, three starts in double A, dominates, goes to triple A, and it just made sense to bring him up. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz, or I guess Matt McLean was the first of that group to, to come up uh, in the middle of the season. You know, he Two, well, 230 in, in double-A last year, but he had good at-bats. We knew where he was. Um, he, he It's first full season in pro ball, and we sent him to the fall league because we wanted to push him and have him grind through the, the fall league. And and part of the fall league, it wasn't about performance. It was about, hey, this kid can do this. This kid, He can he can grind, and he can he can get in there and, and keep playing and keep showing up every day. And that's, you know, from a makeup standpoint, we knew we, we thought we knew we had a, had a good kid. We we obviously saw it whenever he played through the fall league, and, and you know he had under 200. But we were pretty bullish whenever he came out of the fall league, and just with how he worked every day and, and, and what he wanted to do, um, you know. And I, I think that it's it's been it's been fun to see a lot of these guys. Right, McLean, he hit he, he forced his way up. Our AAA staff has done a great job, whether it's. Uh, McLean, Ellie De La Cruz, Christian Encarnacio and Strand. We've got some guys there that have really made uh, strides offensively this year. Nick, uh, I want oh, some oh, of our six-year free agents. Same thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, <coughs> Jeff did say that I that I played for the Reds and I have played in that park, and it gives you a lot of confidence yep. when you're a hitter, just because you can have a bad swing and and still be rewarded for you know whatever you're trying to do at the plate. But I do wonder about your young pitching staff. I, I did look up some stats. You guys are 27th in the RA at home and you've given up the most home runs at home in baseball. I, I just wondered the development of those young guys when you sort of are trying to keep them away from getting gun shy. You know, you, it's like you want them to attack the zone and you want them to have great stuff and power and not walk anybody, but you start giving up some cheap ones. Is that a hard thing for an organization to get some young guys through whatever they're trying to get through as a pitching staff at home? Yeah, I think I think you know you, you see some guys come up here and, and they're not um, yeah you, you exactly you played here you know what it's like you can hit you can pop a ball up sometimes and hit a home run and to get somebody with a mindset of hey I, I it's okay if I give this up it, it's tough right pitchers pitchers don't want to give up any runs so you know it's trying to be able to say hey look this this is part of the growing process here it's part of the learning process I mean the other thing with giving up uh, you know we, we've got I talked to, to uh, some of our guys about this uh, the other day, we've got guys that come up from the minor leagues and with so many players coming up from the minor leagues, they have every Monday off, you know, learning to play in the big leagues is about playing 12 days in a row, 15 days in a row, 18 days in a row. And you have, you have to do it multiple times before you get some off dates. I think that's, 
it's just there, there's a lot of things you have to learn at this level uh, to be a successful player. And I think some people, hey, it's just it's show up. I mean, some guys, hey, you know, I try to take an extra base here. I mean, we've been aggressive on the base path. We, we've, we've stolen some bases. We've done a good job going first to third. But, hey, look, you know, we, we, we can see – I'm really fast. There's, there's a, the ball's in front of me, uh, and I'm going to try to stretch a single into a double, and I get thrown out. Well, why? I mean, I think because players at this level are better than players at AAA and, and, and AA and so on and so forth down. So it's trying to just figure out those little nuances of playing the game that you have with rookies. How important when you, you talk about bringing the, the, the minor leaguers up and, and those guys getting used to, to the major league, to, to the routine of the majors, to the grind of the majors, how important is it to have a guy like Joey Votto around who, yeah. I mean, man, he, you, you want to talk about grind. He's, he, for a lot of reasons, he's had, he's had to grind through his career. I've got to think that he, his value in the, in the clubhouse has to, it almost has to be golden right now. And I mean, the other thing, Nick, I, I have to say it as someone who's, you know, we we know Joey pretty well. I don't know if I've seen Joey as happy mm. with his baseball as he is now. Yeah, I mean, I've I've known Joey for twenty years, and and you know, Joey's a tremendous guy. He's probably the hardest worker I've ever seen in, on a baseball field. Um, you know, with, with what he does and who he is, just bring that every day to the ballpark, and you know, being able to start. He started uh, obviously he was hurt to, to begin the season. He was in AAA for a decent amount of time. He got to play with some of these guys in AAA and got to know them, but he got to play with them in, in, a, in, a, more, like, in a more fun environment. I think he's, he's got, been able to grow with, uh, with this group, especially um, starting in spring training. You know, just being, being a guide to, to, that they can go to, advice, go to for advice, that they can you know, ask questions that, hey, how, how did you do this? How does this work? And, and being at that veteran presence, Joey's a tremendous individual, tremendous asset to this organization, and he's just been he's been really good to have for all these guys. Nick, how hard is it to look not look around your division like the St. Louis Cardinals, like the Brewers who are not running away with the division, like the Cubbies who you know are sort of in between, not really knowing you know who they are just right now. They're a good team, but not a great team. And say if we just add this one little piece instead of bringing up this prospect to maybe try and develop that this year and maybe make a little decent run at is that hard to do? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, I I came into the trade deadline and we want we definitely wanted to make some moves and see what was out there. But at the end of the day, you know, it takes two to make a trade, and we were able to get Sam Mole from the uh, from the A's, but. You know, other than that, we, we just we felt that you know giving up players that have a chance to produce long term in our future just wasn't right for uh, our organization. And you know, some of these guys like Hunter Green's coming back this weekend, and Nick Lodolo is going to start uh, a couple few more times in, in, in the minor leagues, and, and hopefully he'll be ready. I think that you know we looked at a lot of those things and, and said, look, we're trying to be a team that builds from within, that builds through our minor league system, and. It's been good to see our players graduate and be productive at this level. You know, I, I'm excited about some of the players we have on the way, but I, I think it's going to take all of these guys to make uh, to make a good, successful organization. Does it also, when you look at the American League East and you see a team like the Baltimore Orioles that are essentially doing the same thing, they're building from within and they're leading the division and they're playing really, really good baseball. Does that also give you a little bit of confidence that, hey, you know, you can do this. You don't necessarily have to go out and make a big gut-busting trade or blow the doors off in free agency to contend? Yeah, just because you win the offseason doesn't mean you win the regular season, right? right. So, 
you know, you, you've watched the Rays do this for years in the, in the AL East. You, you watch the Guardians. I mean, watch the, uh, watch the A's do this uh, for a long time in, uh, in Oakland. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, this is what we have to do. We have to be a team that knows who we are and knows what we're trying to do and, and continues to, to just get better and get better and, and be able to develop our own players and bring those players up and, and, and have them contribute to, uh, to our organization. I mean, even even the larger market team, the Braves, have done a great job with uh, you know with with the Spencer Striders of the world and you know Ozzy Albies and, and guys like that. They've brought up through their system and they, they they've they've you know been able to win the World Series. So I'm wondering how much the new rules and kind of the the new trends in the game have helped you guys out too. Because I look at your team and I'm going, you know, man, with bigger bases and things like that, this mm-hmm. seems to be tailor made for the type of the type of athletes you guys are bringing up. Yeah, we, we've uh, we've uh, we, our goal wasn't to just get people for the new rules. Our goal was to increase our speed, athleticism, and, and on defense, on the bases, in everything we do. And you know that that, that was our goal in, in getting some of these players, whether it was Will Benson um, or some of the players we had through the draft. It was just to increase our defense and athleticism, and and that's what we've been trying to do. It's it's been. You know, you look at our team in 2020, made the playoffs, but we were more of a station-to-station club, and, you know, it, it ended up catching up to us in the postseason. But it, for us, it's, you know, we want to be a team that can play speed and defense because you can minimize the amount of chances an opposing team has in our ballpark. And if you get some contact guys, they don't have to hit the ball in the ballpark here. They can basically put the ball in play, and, you know, somebody's going to pop a home run at some point. Nick, it was really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Uh, like I said a little earlier, really enjoy watching yeah. your team. Uh, congratulations on, on what you're building there because uh, they're going to be a handful. Yeah. Good luck, Nick. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Take care. That's Nick Kroll, VP and GM of the Cincinnati Reds. And, um, you know, I'm just looking at the, the Reds stats and the Reds' young players, right? First team in Major League history with three rookies in a single season with at least 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases, Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, Spencer Steer. Uh, they, Cincinnati joined the National League in 1890. I remember that day very well. For the first time since then, they've got three rookies who've produced 10 home runs. Uh, they've got 44 home runs combined from their rookies. Think about that. Um, I, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, they they are they're going concern. Like if you're in the if you're in the NL Central, you're looking at that team and you're thinking you're thinking the same thing you're thinking about in the Orioles about the Orioles and the Eastern thing. These guys are going to be a pain in the ass for years. Yeah, I just like it that Nick said that he does pay attention to the other teams. Like I like that. I get say it's okay to I think most GMs, you know, I I'm going to tell you but I he think, said it out loud. I think most GMs do, but they don't pay say attention. It. Some of them did. We ever had a GM on this show that says, yeah, I pay attention to what everybody else is doing in the American League East. Most of the time they say, no, we're worried about ourselves. Yeah. We take care of ourselves. Everything else around us will take care of It's He didn't say that. I sort of like that, right? Sort of speeding up the process because, quite frankly, your team and your organization hasn't been real good in a while. And it's very hard to make the playoffs. And if you got a decent chance because some other teams – right, are not living up to what everybody thought they were going to do, and you got a little window there. I just think it's cool that he actually said it out loud, and, you know, yeah, they're, 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 he at least tried to add yeah. some pieces, which is a big deal for your Reds fan. Uh, they will get Hunter Green back on Sunday. He's been on the 60-day IL. 
with a right hip injury. He was their opening day starter. He will pitch against Yunjin Ryu. Hunter Green's bring some serious mm-hmm. smoke. Saturday, it'll be Brandon Williamson against Chris Bassett. Tonight, again, a uh, 641st pitch. Tonight, it'll be Brett Kennedy against Jose uh, against Jose Barrios. And, uh, you know, just looking looking at the Reds right now, uh, they're trying to be the first team to ever to win a division after losing 100 games the season before. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at this. They got 37 come-from-behind wins. That leads the majors. 18 in their final plate appearance leads the majors. Yeah. They got eight walk-off wins. Sorry, six walk-off wins. Uh, I guess on the flip side, the other thing is something you talked about because of their issues with starting pitching. Um, they have six pitchers, six relievers who've made at least 50 appearances. Yeah. That's so. why they're, that's why they're thinking about going to a six man rotation down the stretch to try and stretch a dude out. So you're not yeah. using as many arms out of the pen. I mean, look, it's, it's hard this time of the year to compete against good teams because of the balanced schedule. You're playing other teams, a little bit more than you are in your division. Now, they still got some games in division, but you still have to have some power arms to go to, and you'd like them to be fresh. It's what we talk about the Blue Jays mm-hmm. all the time, right? Is those your, your bullpen is way better because they're not throwing as much, and they're saving bullets. And when they don't, and you have to abuse them, and then they start giving up hits and it, when it matters the most. So, yeah, it's, I think the Reds right now are a good team, and you can watch them. It's just what will it take for them to – to turn into a great team. Yeah. That's the thing, right? And I think they're off to the right start, though. Yeah, you know, I, and, and uh, I was hearing hearing Nick talk as well. One of the things I was I was thinking about is, and, and this is this is something that really I think is going to be particularly important with the Baltimore Orioles as well. I don't think you can overestimate the importance of these young guys getting postseason experience at a time where, you know, if the Cincinnati Reds make the postseason, nobody's going to expect them to win. It's going to be like, it, it, it's going to be just icing on top of a really good cake. And, and I'm a real believer that that is, that's what you want. That's the ultimate thing. You want guys to experience playoff baseball without expectations being there. And, you know, Nick made an interesting point. We forget about that when you bring guys up from the minors. You know, mm-hmm. obviously the game is... It, Major league game, it happens faster, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the scheduling in that is different too. Like he made that point. These guys are used to having Mondays off. Yeah. And and now you come up and you're playing. You know what? You I, gotta manage eighteen games in eighteen days or seventeen games in seventeen days. See, I think it's the heart rate goes up. How do you handle it? Yeah, you you've you've tr- you've went through the marathon almost of the season, and now the most important part of the season mm. where every pitch matters, the heart rate's going up. How do you handle that, slow that down, and make good pitches and maintain velocities and maintain bat speed? Like there's so many things that go in. That's what the Orioles are talking about, right? Yep. You're trying to yep. maneuver things around so you're getting the best out of the main guys that are young. When the games matter the most, the Reds are no different. So it's just an intriguing thing to to try to mesh everything together and figure out six-man rotations and, you know, don't abuse your closer and, you know, give a guy a day off maybe when he needs it. So there's some ins and outs there, which is kind of, it's kind of cool to have the Reds good again. Yeah, absolutely. Let's say it that way. No, absolutely. It It, it is. Like there's there's some teams, sounds really kind of trite, but there are some teams – where baseball is better when they're better. 
And I think Cincinnati is one of those teams. Quite frankly, I think St. Louis is one of those teams. And I hate to say this. It's going to drive people nuts. But you know what? It's kind of fun when the Yankees are so good that you want to kick their ass all the time. I mean, it's just it. it but Cincinnati's just a little different. And, and I, I think the, the difference with Cincinnati is people who played baseball there or people who have experienced baseball there really do understand what a what a great market it is, what a regional market it is. Maybe not a regional market to the degree that the St. Louis Cardinals are a regional market, but it's got a rich history. They've been around forever. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to see. And it's cool to see them doing it homegrown and, you know, with, with a great young team. I mean, listen, the best, the best baseball team I've ever I've watched in my lifetime was the big red machine. Like the Yankees were obviously the Yankees are really good, but in terms of watching the big red machine with Joe Morgan and Johnny bench and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Griffey and George Foster, that was the best team I've seen. And, you know, I don't know if we'll say we can necessarily say we're at, we're at, we've got a new big red machine happening here. Uh, Cause I don't think we'll ever see another team like that. The Atlanta Braves may be the closest I've seen to that. But uh, it is great to see the Cincinnati Reds being a going concern again. Uh, John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, joins us at the top of the hour. A reminder, we will be around till 624. Then we'll turn it over to show Ali with the pregame show uh, ahead of first pitch as the Jays take on the Cincinnati Reds in a three-game series. I think what we should do, because it's a Friday, you're going to be in holidays next week. I know mm. Boffo, our producer's going in holidays. He's checked out. Why don't we go to the back leg line of 416-870-0590, star 591 590 when we come back. It's Blair and Barker. Pre-vacation for Barker edition on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet, and the Sportsnet radio network. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six forty will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays and Reds open a three-game series. I hate it when you're going away in holiday. You're so unnaturally happy, Barker. Or vacation. Fifty minutes away. Fifty minutes away. <laughs> Brett Kennedy on the mound for the Reds against Jose Berrios mm. tonight. Um, ben Nicholson Smiths with the Blue Jays in. Cincinnati. Not to make of this. This is uh, from Ben, I presume, um, having just talked to John Schneider, the manager. Mm-hmm. I'm throw this out there, see what you think. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not surprised, but well, maybe I kind of am. <clears throat> you are. Mm-hmm. There may be scenarios where Blue Jays close games with someone other than Jordan Romano mm-hmm. per John Schneider. Jays discuss this with their relievers. For example, if there's a run of right-handed batters and Hicks is available. Jays are open to switching things up. Romano still figures to get the most save opportunities. I mean, I, it's probably not earth-shattering news, but... Um, okay, it's one guy or guys? That's, that's all it said. That's all, that I, sounded like one guy. Well, I'm sure there are other... I'm sure if, if there's a run of lefties coming up, maybe it's Tim Meza. I, I, Meza. I mean, I don't... You know, 
I, I think a lot of this will. I mean, Jordan Romano had a back injury. Back mm-hmm. injuries yeah. can flare up. I think a lot of it. A lot of it depends on. I think I think that has something him. to do with it, and also I think it's smart by John Snyder and Pete Walker to say that to at least have that conversation. Uh, well, also to because there's a lot of dudes down there having some really good seasons, like some real, and it's a huge part of where they're at. Yep, and you want them all to be ready when it matters the most, and you're sort of basically telling them that they're not married to one guy, which they sort of are. But you don't want to tell your team that. So you got to be able to be a good salesman and, and have good conversations. And that's John and, and Petey's strength is communication and selling it and having everybody on board and, and telling you it before it actually happens, which is a big deal. But that only sounded like one dude. It didn't yeah. sound like five guys. Trevor Richards and Kevin Kiermaier have been reinstated uh, for tonight's game. Nathan Luke's. Lucas and Jay Jackson were both optioned to AAA Buffalo. Bo Bichette will come on tomorrow. At that point, a decision will have to be made. Uh, I mean, Davis Schneider would be, I would think, would be the guy who would likely uh, likely be optioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we, we, we'll we talk to John Schneider at 6 o'clock, and one of the questions we'll ask him is about Trevor Richards and how he plans to work Trevor Richards back into the rotation uh, or back into the to the to the bullpen. Trevor Richards was awfully good when he went down. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, that'll be at uh, 6 o'clock. A reminder, first pitch tonight is 640. You can hear it only on Sportsnet 590. The fan, it's an Apple TV game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 416-413-3959. It's the back leg line. We like going to it. Gives the fans a chance to talk to Kevin Barker. And maybe Jeff. make some comments. And Jeff. Mostly you. And, uh, well, it is Friday. Let's go to the back leg line. Timothy in Vancouver. Timothy. Yeah, Kevin, I'm just curious. Uh, I know there's 40 games left in the season, but uh, if the wild card started tomorrow, the Jays would be in Minnesota and uh, mm-hmm. Houston would be in Tampa, or say we moved up one spot, then it would be us in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Where do you see for a short three-game series would be a better fit for the Jays um, moving forward? Thanks. Uh, curious to know your answer. Have a good day. Yeah, that's a that's – a, that's a good call. That's a that's a great question. I I'm gonna ride the fence on this one. I I think Howard. with the way I think with the no, I'm not. You know better. I think with the way they've been hitting basically all season, I think just getting in is the biggest hurdle of all. I don't really think they care who they play. I, obviously, they hit better on the road than they do at home. They pitch better at home than they do on the road. But that's a small margin. I think their pitching would travel no matter where it's at. So, look, I I think, again, it gets back to that pitching will is going to take them where they ultimately are going to end up. And if that's the Twinkies in Minnesota or if that's the Rays in Tampa, I think if you ask to a man and the manager – I don't think they care. I think it's just about getting in. I think it's been really tough on them mentally because of who's not doing what we all thought they were supposed to be doing and the energy and time they put into trying to figure it out and it hasn't worked out sort of the way they wanted it to work out. I think it's just all about getting in and they don't really care who they're playing. They're 8-5 and five against Houston in the last uh, two years combined. They are 12-14 yeah, against Tampa. I don't want no part of I don't want no part of Houston. 
Um, I mean, Tampa, you know, actually, let's wait and see how Tampa responds to what they're going through right now. That that may be a, an obvious answer in, you know, two Glass weeks or so. Glass now throws game one. You confident? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I am. I, I, yeah, absolutely I'm confident. Glasnow against Kevin Goss? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not confident. talking about the pitching for the Jays. I'm saying oh, Glasnow against the Jays lineup. I don't care about that. I'm, 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 I'm saying that in that pitching matchup, yeah, I'll take Gossman against anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely I will. They're going to have to play well, no matter who they play. Yeah, I, I, absolutely I would, I would have, I would have their, no their problem. Their pitching's going to be good. Gonna, the, the timely the Playoff games aren't going to be just – they're, they're not going to be. They're not going to be decided nine to six. Playoff games are going to be four three can, or three two. Can they out homer the Twins? Hmm? Can they out homer the Rays? Hmm? That's what you got to ask yourself because that's ha- basically what you may you're not doing have to out homer in, in the playoffs. You may not have to out homer anybody. Scott and Hamilton. Just two quick questions. Why don't the bats ever produce runs for Gosman? And hmm. what is with Espinal and his inability to field the ball correctly? Thank you. <laughs> How do you really feel? Uh, here's this let's is what go I'll with door say. number two I, first. I th- this is what I think. I think the Espinal throw was Vladdy's fault, not Espinal's. 100%. I think his footwork's better around the bag. He catches that in the air. It's a no-brainer. For me, this is me. Everybody can have their own opinion. But Barker is the only this, one this is me. expressing an opinion who's played first base and been paid for it. This, so. this, absolutely. So I, it's... You can you can blame the 25th guy who's trying to make his way, don't play every day, and I understand. And I'm not making excuses for him. That's mainly his job is to catch the ball no matter where he plays. But, I mean, Espinal normally has good footwork. He has a strong arm. It's accurate. He may have choked that ball off a little bit. For me, 1,000 times out of 1,000 times, you catch that ball in the air. And he didn't. And it cost him two runs. Vladdy didn't catch it in the air. Yep. Uh, listen, I, I, I think, I, I just think that Santiago Espinal has gone from a guy who yeah. forced his way under the Blue Jays lineup, made the all-star game, didn't have a great second half, came into camp and lost his job. He's trying to find his way. As my friend Mr. Barker says, being in, being a once-in-a-while player is not, not necessarily an easy thing. But we're not making excuses for him. I'm not making – no, hit, we're not hit, making hit excuses. Him, hit him in the chest. But I, I – Nine and a half times out of ten. But the one time you don't, the first baseman's footwork needs to be better. As far as Gossman, I, I mean, I've never understood – I've never understood why guys have an issue, why the numbers – run support numbers are so bad – when a guy's on the mound, the only thing I can think of is Kevin Gossman probably faces the other team's number one guy or gets a pretty good pitcher. And that makes it harder in an offense. that's already scuffling to score runs. I mean, that's generally, that's what happens when you have a number one who is really good, but yeah. his team doesn't score runs for him. It's because of who he's matched Maybe up against. Maybe too. It's the offenses lose focus thinking that they have their number one on the mound. I don't, I don't know if that's it. I'm throwing that out there. Who knows? No, but it's... I'm probably with you more than I am with what I just said. It's the matchup. Yeah, you would think so. Pete in Vancouver. Got two out of Vancouver today. Love it. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to quickly talk about the Jays and uh, just leave a message about their uh, issues with runners in scoring position. Wanted to know your guys' thoughts about why they wouldn't be bunting with nobody out and a runner at second just to move that guy closer and get that digit on the board. Uh... 
I know that we got guys on the team that are getting paid for homers, but wouldn't we be getting paid for wins as well? And doesn't really hurt the team to get that digit on the board. Hope to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Bye. I mean, I'll jump in right here. No, the players don't get paid for wins. I mean, I hate to say it, they don't. Uh, it, performance get, driven. Pay, yeah, it's performance driven. The players don't get paid for wins. They get paid for their individual numbers. If you're on a team that wins the World Series and you're a horrible player, you're going to be paid like a horrible player. You're going to be um, in the minor league. In the minor league. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. As far as bunting goes, Kevin, I'll turn it over to you. I, just, I, I mean, I, I said this all along. I don't like bunting until it's the seventh inning, until it's late in the game. To me, it's a wasted. It's a wasted out. That's the way I look at. I it. think it depends on or who's wasted up. I think it, I think it depends on who's up. I think it's depends on how bad sometimes you want to win. Yeah, bunting so, for a base so, hit is kind of cool, like nah, Varsho and, and and Belt. I mean, a runner on second but, base and and Witt's been really good with yes. driving in runs. But say he's up and you got a tough dude on the mound, they're number one who don't give up a bunch, who is real good about adding and subtracting and getting a bunch of guys out, and you want to try and lay down a bunt single and also if it doesn't happen you get the guy over yeah i'm all for that like that's i for me again it gets back to the scoreboard and how about how your team's playing it's time for between the lines brought to you by bet rivers it's a whole new game he's soon to be on vacation mark boffo don't lose focus boffo don't lose focus Mm. Keep it in the ten ring never don't guys lose focus never gotta finish strong finish gotta the week strong finish, finish the week strong mm. all right well for the uh, purpose of this exercise tonight, we're looking at Jose Barrios. He's going up against the Reds in Cincy. He went four and a third last time out against the Cubs. Will he go over or under 17 and a half outs? Total outs recorded over, under 17 and a half for Jose Barrios tonight. You go first. Because I know you've done your research on it. No, it's real. I think it's. I think he's going under. I, I think there's a lot of... I. <laughs> Going to that park mm-hmm. is not the easiest thing to do. And you got a bunch of guys that are young in the Reds lineup who is – it's very hard to set them up. Jose tries to do that. He'll try and backdoor a curveball. He'll try, try and throw a, a changeup and a fastball count to set up the fastball the next pitch. Hard to do that against younger hitters. Not saying they're not going to win. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good start. But I don't think he's going to go six innings. I, that's a lot to ask, right? It's when sometimes he has issues – it's glove side that's into a lefty, away to a righty, and whatever he's trying to do to the slurve, whether it's backdoor, whether it's just the get me over, looks like a 12-6 breaking ball, whether it's the one that looks like a true slider, that's hard to do. Like you got his mistakes have to be on point. And his last couple of starts, I think that is sort of been his issue. And don't forget too, he's had six full days rest. Yeah. Who knows how that's going to go? We, like talked, I, we talked to John Schneider about that, about what what you look for when a dude. We saw it with Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman came off of six days. His velocity went up, but he didn't have his, he didn't have his best splitter, and he threw his slider more. So, and his fastball had run to it and, too, right? That's a mechanical thing, right? It's is you get in sort of that groove of when I'm pitching, and you know, just is sort of your mindset for those kind of days, and you don't disrupt routines and all those things so i'm taking the under not because i don't think he's not going to have a good day i just think because of who he's facing and the park he's trying to face him in and what he throws and where he throws it will be very hard to go that many innings i mean he's just a i've said this he's a different pitcher on the road zra on the road is over 1.3 or i should say 1.2 runs per game more on the road 
Um, they've got Trevor Richards back now. They're off day. Any wobble, John Schneider's going to go to the bullpen. We're, we're at the point now where you want to win series. This is to me is a big series for the Blue Jays because you got well, Houston, you got Houston and Seattle see, playing gonna, right I'm gonna, now. I'm going to disagree. I think they're at the point now where they they need to sweep some series. Well, not just fine. win series. The, the, this, no, but that this, my because point. Because Seattle's at. That's right. But my point is made. It makes my point even more. Well, I helped that, you out there. That you were, yeah, you did. Oddly enough, and it, thank you for that. Your, so you're taking the over your suit or the often. under? No, I'm taking the under. I'm yeah, not, and I'm not. I'm taking call. the under, call. not expecting it's a it's a catastrophe. I'm taking the under because I think that's the way John Schneider's going to manage the game. And, and I do. I really have a concern about the running game. I've really got a concern about the running game with this team. Him and Bassett have given up a combined 19 stolen bases this year. When the Reds get on, they run. The Reds have seven guys with 11 or more. Stolen bases. That's a lot. Like you, again, they're going to run. Now it gets back Nick to the Carl point. said they're going to run. It's like Kevin Gosman. Do you really want to see Kevin Gosman slide stepping? I don't. Yeah. What will Barrios do? What will Bassett do? We That's have, a thing, right? Do you pause? Do you stand? Like there's a lot happening there, and then all of a sudden you're hanging a slurve or throwing a changeup where you don't want to, and you give up a cheap home run is, and you lose the game that way. That That's is, the point. That is a great lead-in to our conversation with John Schneider coming up on the other side of the break because John Schneider went into real detail about controlling the running game and what he has told his pitchers about the running game. It was really interesting hearing it uh, from the, the, the mouth of, his, of, of the skipper. And yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a factor this weekend. It, it, it's it's going to be a huge factor and it's going to be a real test for the Blue Jays. John Schneider's manager of the... John Schneider's manager of the Blue Jays, he will join us in a few minutes. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet. And if you're listening via podcast, leave a lovely rating and review. and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're a little more than half an hour away from first pitch as the Jays take on the Reds at Great America Small Park. <laughs> My friend Kevin Barker calls oh, it. It is, absolutely. The, uh, the game is an Apple TV game. Yeah. So, uh, But you Listen will be able to hear it on uh, Sportsnet 590. Yeah, the absolutely. Fan. First pitch is at 640. Reds are wearing their City Connect jerseys. Pretty cool. Which I, like I really like. You like them? The black ones. I, I love the City Connect jerseys. Yeah, I do too. I think they're solid. Generally, most of the the only City Connect jersey I don't really like is the yellow Boston, and I understand the history behind it, the Boston Marathon. See, I like those. And I'm not a big fan like of that them. one. Rockies are solid. I think Major League Baseball has done a really good job with all that. Yeah, for the most part. I do. I think I think they've done a good you know, job. I, I don't like the. I mean, I I don't like the Jays Reds. I've I've made my point about the Jays Reds. I, I don't, like I don't wear them enough to. Rockies are uh, solid though too. The green. 
green and white with the outline of the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, John Schneider is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. His team is getting ready to take on the pesky reborn Cincinnati Reds. And, uh, well, we had a chance to uh, talk to the skipper earlier today. Very pleased to be joined now by John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, who, as we just uh, learned off air, is making his first trip to the city that Kevin Barker built. Cincinnati, where they still remember Kevin Barker's career. I think there's a statue. If you go to the northeast side of the stadium, there's a statue of Kevin right next to Johnny Bench, I think. Uh, yeah. I got to check it out. I'm sure that, yeah, probably right next to him is the perfect spot for that for Kev, yeah. Uh, thanks for doing this. Hey, hey, look, obviously the uh, the first question on the mind of, of a lot of Jays fans is we saw Bo uh, hit that home run yesterday for Buffalo. We know that he's uh, due to come back. Have you guys given thought yet to, and I'm sure you have, but is there anything you can share with us about how the lineup might look with Bo coming back? Will he just slot right back into the second spot, uh, the second spot in the order and, and play shortstop every day or just kind of what the preliminary plans are for him? Uh, yeah, it was great to see him, you know, feeling good and, and looking like himself the last two games. Uh, yeah, plan is for him to go right back into the um, second spot and then kind of build around him a little bit. Um, I think in terms of in terms of playing, you know, it's going to be primarily shortstop. And when he needs to get a you know a blow or take a little bit of time off his feet, if he needs a DH day, we'll kind of work around that too. But um, he he likes to be out there every day. He prepares himself that way. So um, we'll kind of just take it day to day with him the first probably week that he is back. Uh, John, any any thoughts that maybe a couple of games in because of the way your offense sometimes looks, uh, driving and runs, getting the big time hit? You know, some would say, well, let's say it all would say that Bo is your best hitter. And if you look at the way your lineup is constructed, especially against right-handed pitching, that the two on-base guys in belt and with Merrifield would re- be really good in front of Bo. Any thought? You know, I, I mentioned you, you just mentioned, you know, it's nice to have him right back in the two-hole, but – Sometimes it's what's better for the team. Any chance that that might happen maybe four, five, six games down the road? I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't really uh, envision it. You know, I mean, he's he's been, you know, very, very productive. Nobody on, runners on, runners in scoring position his whole career. So uh, we like him where he is in second. I think he's comfortable there too. So we'll, I mean, we'll, everything's always, you know, adjustable as, as you get going, but you know, he's, he's arguably one of the best hitters in the game. I think having him up uh, more times than not is important. Uh, what's the plan for second base? I know Kevin Biggio all of a sudden is doing some things and you hear that, you know, he's changed some things, his thought process with two strikes. He's changed trying to level out his swing. He showed, right. He's trying to get to more pitches, which is what's going to get him more playing time. Talk a little bit, if you can, about Kevin and, and you know, what the changes he's made and, and what you're seeing, how that's helped him and sort of what down the road, what you're trying to do with second base. And, and is that more performance driven? Is it matchup based? How are you going to attack the second base spot? Yeah, what Cavs done has been awesome. I think he's kind of, you know, maintained his um, skill set, which has made him really good over his career of being, uh, you know, controlling the strike zone really well and, and getting on base at an extremely high level. And then you kind of put that with taking his lower half out of the swing a little bit and being a little bit more direct to the ball. I think he's even said he feels like he's swinging down a little bit more, which, you know, when you look at it, no one's swinging down per se, but I think just having a little bit more, 
areas to cover with his swing has really opened up some doors for him. So he's been great. And I think it's, you know, it's a credit to him for when he wasn't playing a ton, you know, just putting in the work and, and trying to make some adjustments to get to this point. So he's been, he's been awesome. Um, I think on base percentage is second in the league since the all-star break and, and things like that. And he's hitting the ball with authority. So, um, been a huge boost for us, especially with Bo being out in terms of second base. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can bounce it around a, a few ways still. Um, performance definitely plays into it at this point, you know, with 40 games left or whatever it is. And, you know, you're still trying to always put guys in spots that we think they're going to have success, whether it's a hitter or a pitcher. And um, But at the same time, you know, if you're throwing out a couple knocks a game and getting on base three, four times, um, it's pretty easy to make room for you in the lineup. John, on a personal level, how satisfying is it for you to have a guy that has been with you for a while? You know, you have his back. Obviously, he's a popular dude in the clubhouse. But he's a guy who, at the start of the year, performance wasn't necessarily there. And now he's, as you said, I think second in the league in OPS since the All-Star break. He's he's a difficult out. Um, How just personally satisfying is it when you see one of your dudes come through despite, uh, you know, despite some criticism? Yeah, I, I think it's great for him. I mean, for me, you know, you, we and, and myself, of course, we always have the guys, you know, back. We have their best interests. We want them all to do well. We want them all to succeed and, and come through um, with every pitch, every swing. I think just knowing Cav for as long as I have and kind of watching him, he's, he's, a, he's a baseball player. You know what I mean? He's, he's always in the right spot. He'll steal a base when he can. You know, the double play he turned in Cleveland uh, with runners of first and third, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Just He's just a baseball player, and I think he's very convicted in his ways, which every player at this level is. But at the same time, he has the ability to kind of say, okay, how can I do things a little bit differently? So because of all those reasons and, and dudes in the clubhouse really appreciate him and and, uh, and are drawn to him, it's, it, yeah, it's great. It's great to see, you know, for us, but especially for him. Uh, Dalton Varsha has got two homers, seven RBIs in his last seven games. Is there something you're seeing mechanically, or is it just he's getting a better pitch to hit? Better pitch to hit. I think he's a little bit more confident with the work he's doing. Um, you know, I think that it's better pitch to hit for sure. I think it's laying off of pitches that he was offering at earlier in counts a little bit ago, right? So if it's breaking ball in hand, he's seeing it pretty well. I think, you know, you, you see his, his kind of toe tap is back. You know, he got rid of it for a while, and I think that just allows him to see the ball a little bit more. And he's honestly, Kevin, he's been a little bit more direct with the ball, too, I think. Um, you know, hits a 3-2 homer and then a first-pitch breaking ball. You know, the 5-RBI game was a first-pitch breaking ball coming back to him that he didn't roll over that he stayed through. So little things, yeah, but I think it comes down with, with uh, just being a tick more confident. John, I don't think we talk enough about him being able to go from left field to center field and it look elite. Uh, it, I, I, that can't be the easiest thing, right? I mean, you're sort of a follower in left field. You're the quarterback in center field. Just that part of it can't be easy. He makes it look easy. What are you seeing from that? Yeah, he, um, for one, he's as prepared as anyone I've, I've seen. Um, and he he just has, like, elite closing speed. You know, it's – He's comfortable in center, played there last year more so than left, and then tried to get him comfortable and left this year in spring training, and he's been there, you know, most of the year. So um, it's, it, it's again, a lot like Cav. Dalton's a baseball player. He understands that when he's in left, KK's in charge. When he's in center, he's in charge. Um, it's just it's just kind of checking off your 
you know, your your principles at each spot. You know what I mean? He's he's just a baseball player that understands that. But he makes it look tremendously easy. And I think to uh, you know lead the majors in defensive run saving outfield says a lot. And um, you know something that he doesn't take he doesn't take lightly. He works his ass off at it too. Now, I'm sure this is a problem you don't mind having, but with Trevor Richards coming back and, you know, we're led to believe Chad Green may not be that far behind him, you are suddenly going to have a plethora of options out of your bullpen. And, you know, Jordan Hicks, I think we saw in this last homestand, that kind of the tag team performance you had between him and Jordan Romano was something something we haven't seen in in a while in, in this city. Have you thought out how you will reintegrate Trevor into things? And does that mean, you know, does that mean that that somebody else will maybe maybe not take a step back? That could be a wrong word, but might have to settle for a a a, a lesser workload down the stretch because of these arms coming in. Or is that the type of thing where you know, look, just play it play it by ear, right? If your starting pitcher gives you seven innings, you don't have to worry about it as much. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, we, I've joked with the guys. It's kind of an embarrassment of riches that me and Peter sitting there picking from every day. And that's a great thing. I mean, just in terms of their performance, kind of what we've done over the last year to, to kind of, I've, I've always said, raise the floor of the bullpen and it's pretty damn high right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think with Trev coming back, we're still going to put him, you know, kind of in that same spot that we had all year, you know, probably, you know, I don't think he's going to be going multiple innings out of the shoot, but he has the ability to do that when he is kind of back and has his feet underneath him. And then it's, you know, again, our starters are really good too. So if our starters are rolling, you know, we can save a couple of guys each night. That's great. Um, and if we need to shorten the game, we can shorten it in a hurry. So having Trevor back is just another kind of luxury, you know, acts as a little bit of a third lefty with the changeup, but it's uh, it's a pretty unique and uh, and special group down there for sure. Yeah, whenever Chad Green gets back to a little competition, never hurt anybody, any team that's contending to. I, I want to talk about the, a little bit about the starting pitching and, and Barrios and Bassett with the the six full days of rest. I I don't really know how to take that. Like I don't know, you know, veteran guys who've been around. You know, they went through the four man rotation that sort of messed up routines. I would assume that. You know, having a, an extra full day of rest, sort of what do we do with ourselves kind of thing. Obviously, they're veteran guys. They they sort of know how to figure those kind of things out. And I understand that maybe it allows you to raise pitch counts. We've heard Bassett say that, that with the extra day, you can add a couple of more pitches to it. And, you know, John is allowed to, to let us stay out there a little bit longer. But are you expecting anything different? You know, Barrios has had a, a couple of, you know, okay starts his last two starts, not been the best. Do you do you think it will be something you'll see differently? Maybe velocity, mechanics, a little bit more break on the, the secondary stuff. What do you see? What do you think you'll see with the extra day? I think with the extra day, what we see most of is, um, well, for one, they're really good. These guys are really good. They always know after their start exactly when they're when they're throwing, so they can tweak their routine, you know, by a day if they need to, and they're great at it. I think what we have seen with the guys on extra rest is that you got you got a little more life in your heater. You know, you you got a little more in the tank, uh, a little extra velo when you need it, especially. You know, you look at Gauze the other day; he's up to like ninety eight, almost ninety nine, and Hosey, you know, throwing hard uh, his last outing too. So, um, and Kikuchi throwing throwing the ball really well the first three innings especially so I think it it adds a little bit more life it it allows you to empty the tank a little bit when you need to 
uh, as your outing does go on. But in terms of routine and stuff and break on the pitch, not much. I think that they are a little bit, um, you know, just a little bit more amped up probably to start. You see a little bit more velo, and, and then the game kind of settles them back in. Yeah, now the Reds, as you well know, leads baseball in stolen bases. Uh, Barrios and Bassett give, giving up uh, a combined 19 stolen bases, reused pitching in the third game. He's excellent, right? He'll do veteran guy. He'll slide step. He'll do whatever. When you got a couple guys on the mound who have a lot going on and sometimes lose a little train of thought with the dude standing at second, how do you control the running game? That's a that's a big thing, right? The the Reds are young. They're going to get on base and run all over the place. you got to control that. How do you do that in this series? You make them aware of it um, before you talk about it. Pete does a great job of communicating what exactly they're going to do. I think even, you know, when you get, you know how it is, Kev, I think when you get, you know, um, lost in the game a little bit and worry about executing the pitch, you can kind of forget about the runner and things like that. We've made such a effort this year with the new rules, especially to just, you know, I always call it, don't have any unnecessary runs, right? If a dude hits a two-out single, don't let them get to second base and then have a cheap hit fall in. It's just do your job, slide step, be at least a one three, and let the catcher do the rest. So they're they're going to hear it. They're going to hear it the entire weekend, um, both starters and relievers. You know, you look back to what Gosman did um, against the Phillies. Trey Turner's at first and he slide steps. You know, Trey was looking to go and all of a sudden kind of messes up the hitter and the runner and he ends up pitching out of the inning. Uh, without a run in editing. So that's just things like that, being aware of not just executing your pitch, but you got to be able to just do do the whole thing here and, and control the run game as well. John, we really appreciate you uh, joining us today. We, uh, as always, value your time. Thanks so much for this, and uh, go get them. Yeah, good luck. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. I'll, uh, I'll be over eating some ribs here in a minute. There you go. There you go. <laughs> nice. Take care. Yeah. Tell you what, if you're in Cincinnati, man, go to the Montgomery Inn Boathouse. I've or skyline, you're a skyline chili dude. So am I. Yeah, yeah. Skyline chili's awesome. It was, Especially it was late stuff. at night when you've you're in that mood. Little three a.m. chili mm. with root beer. It's like a it's like a one forty five before you go to the park. Oof. I guess uh, six forty is the first pitch tonight, right here. I played on twice a week. Yeah. at five nine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. A <laughs> uh, little bit of uh, news here, which uh, we'll bring to you because I know a lot of people like to watch games other than Blue Jays games in the weekend. Uh, because of Hurricane Hillary, Major League Baseball has rescheduled some games this weekend. Uh, the Padres Sunday home game against the Diamondbacks uh, has been rescheduled for a split double header on Saturday. The Angels game against the Rays has been rescheduled for a split doubleheader on Saturday. Stay hot, Rays. <laughs> and the Los Angeles Dodgers game against the Marlins has been scheduled rescheduled for a split doubleheader on Saturday as well. So there you go. No, nothing good can come from a doubleheader. Zero. Oh, that's why Zero I, and things. that's why I mentioned it with the uh you know with especially with Tampa Bay. Uh they're just they must be almost getting to the point where <laughs> What next? Yeah. What next? Yeah. Hurricanes yeah. now. Yeah. Although, if, if any, and, and this is the funny uh, thing, because you're Tampa, you're thinking, wait a minute. We worry about hurricanes all year long. We're on the freaking West Coast, and we got to worry about it too, anyhow. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, interesting conversation, I thought, with John Schneider about the, well, first of all, about the six days, the, 
the extra days off. Um, but also about the running game. Talk, talk a little bit about what, you know, what John was talking about. 1.3 to the plate. And basically, let's not control the running game. But the big thing is, don't let him steal second with two out and put yourself in a position where a single's going to score a run. Yeah, I'm not sure that... I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I think for me, it's more about holding the ball or... I don't want. I don't really want the guy to be quick pitching, and and Barrios is going to try to do that because he's an athlete. He's going to try and disrupt because the word's out and they're having conversations like crazy. I mean, if John's telling us that, you know, they're behind sure. behind Absolutely. closed doors, just trying to figure out. Obviously, the obvious thing is not to let those dudes on base, but they do have seven of them who know how to steal a base. So sooner or later, a guy's going to get on first base with two outs, and you got to figure out how to control that and not take away from your stuff, which is the biggest key there, right? Is remember the park you play in. And if I'm more paying attention to that guy than trying to locate my slurve and I hang that, and that's easy for that hitter to create a little backspin because he can catch that out front a little bit more because I hung it because my mechanics weren't good enough to, to get me out front. So I think they got to be careful with that. They're smart. They're veteran. That will help them figure out what they need to do and, more importantly, what they shouldn't do on the mound when it comes to a guy standing at first base. But, it, it again, I, I think just because of going into this park, th- this is where the lineup needs to hit some homers. Take a little pressure off the, off the pitching staff where every single slurve that you throw is not like the seventh game of the World Series. So, because these games are getting to the point where they're sort of like this, with where Seattle's at, Boston's a pretty decent team. Mm-hmm. Like you got some teams, you know, breathing down your neck here. You need to start playing some better baseball. And what do you do tonight if you're obviously if you're the Jays, you're focused on what you got to do against Reds. Cheering for anybody, Houston and Seattle. Yeah, you know, players don't do that. No, I'm. I mean, but, I know, I know, I'm saying. I know from they, your from your point of view. I'm sure they'll look if they lose. If they're winning, they're not paying any attention to that. That that's they're front runners. Like it's that's I'm not afraid to say that. No, like, I, that's why that's what it is. I is, guess I was asking because I think you'd probably be more focused on less on who's ahead of you in the playoff race and more on who's behind you. Yeah, in the I don't think race. you really care about the Astros, do you? Like you're if you play good enough baseball, yeah. I mean, you you can't really that I'm sure the Astros and the and the Rays are saying the exact same thing the Blue Mariners, Jays are saying. Mariners, by the way, have uh the third easiest schedule in baseball well, remaining say, schedule you can say this if you're the jays you sort of put wow. yourself into this wow like the, it's this is kind of your fault they the their remaining strength of schedule the mariners their opponents right now are 501 good grief they still have this is the mariners Six games against the A's, three against the Royals, three against the White Sox, three against the Mets, three against the Angels. Yikes. I didn't. Re- I mean, I realized it was easy. I didn't realize how yeah. easy it was. Yeah, the J- the Jays sort of got some some. They got they got the Orioles, Cleveland, Washington, Colorado, Oakland, Kansas City. And then they get into the 15, yeah, and, is, and then they got Texas thrown in there the last 15 of the season against and the American again, Ladies. It, we've like, talked you're about playing it. some teams, too, that you should be sweeping. Yeah. Not winning series, sweeping. sweeping. So I think, to, back to your point about Barrios when we were talking about that right at the, the, at the five, 5 o'clock hour, is 
I think John may start managing a little bit differently because of the weapons that are coming back in the pen that he feels comfortable that he, no matter where they're at, I got something for you against a couple of left-handed hitters. I got something for you for, for a couple of righties. If I need to use Jordan Romano somewhere else, and that way occasionally I have to use another closer, you have to do that. So, yeah, I think they're going to manage a little differently. I think they will sort of attack at bats in the way they run the bases a little differently. It's sweep time. Three in Cincinnati, three in Baltimore. A good road trip for the Jays would be... Four and two. Four and two. That's what I was going to say. Five and one if you start hitting. Four and two, you're happy with it. Three and three, no bueno. That's not going to do you any good because of who Seattle's playing. Yep. This gets back to sweeping some series. Like, sooner or later, you're going to have to sweep a good team. The Jays uh, tonight will have uh, a relatively... I was going to say a relatively whole lineup. Their lineup is as follows. But that's not really true because Bo Bichette will be is with the team. He will not be activated until tomorrow. Uh, and George Springer's not playing tonight. So tonight's lineup is Merrifield, Belt, Guerrero, Biggio hitting cleanup. Matt Chapman, Alejandro Kirk, Dalton Varsho, Santi Espinal, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, Jose Barrios on the mound for the Blue Jays. So Kevin Kier- <clears throat> Kevin Kiermeyer's back in. Nathan Lucas has been sent down to the minors. And uh, Trevor Richards is back with the team. Jay Jackson has been sent down. A move will have to be made tomorrow for Bo Bichette. And you can, I mean, I, I guess from here it would seem to be Davis Schneider is the obvious. That makes sense. As the obvious choice to go down yep. when Bo Bichette is ready. And you heard John Schneider say that when Bo Bichette comes back, he yep. will be hitting second. And uh, obviously he's going to be playing shortstop. Bo uh, Bichette hadn't played in two weeks and got five hits in two games. <laughs> An opposite field home run. You see like, the swing? I know it's a release, but it ain't, that, it ain't that easy. Yeah. It looks exactly the way I, it was, I was before say, he left. It, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's interesting because we want – guys, I mean, part of the deal with being a, a major league player is learning how to handle being on, being on the DL and coming off the DL it'll be, or the IL and coming off the IL. It'll be interesting. But uh, my friend Mr. Barker is right. This would be a great series to sweep. And you've got Barrios tonight. Uh, Bassett tomorrow, and then a real good pitching matchup on Sunday. Hunter Green coming off the IL. You got to wonder. He's coming off the IL. It's been the 60-day IL. You wonder where he uh, where he will be against Hyunjin Ryu. How hard is it? A reminder, tonight's game is on Apple TV. You'll only be able to hear it. You'll only be able to get local coverage on Sportsnet 590 The Fan in a few minutes. Tomorrow's a 6.40 start back on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. Sunday's game is a 1.40 Eastern start on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. That is it for us, Mr. Barker. Enjoy your time off this Appreciate next it. week. Everybody enjoy the baseball. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do next week. Oh, you'll figure it out. You. You'll figure it out. You can do it, Jeff. Give it the old college try. I'm not a big fan of the college try. No? It's not the college try league, damn it. It's the get-her-done league. That's it for us. Have a great weekend. We'll chat Monday.